G'day, welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind and how it works and mental illness and mental health. I'm with Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney today, stress. So we've talked about post-traumatic stress, but what about work stress, relationship stress, trying to keep up with everything you're supposed to be doing and fulfil all your obligations stress? What is stress? How is it different from anxiety? Is it more like a, a kind of a permanent state of low-level anxiety where you've got heaps to do and are constantly hoping everything will turn out okay? Does stress build up over time? Is it cumulative? Can we deal with the odd stressful day, but when we have, say, 10 of those days in a row, is that when things might start to go wrong? How can stress affect us? And if going on a permanent yoga retreat isn't really practical, how can we deal with and reduce stress in our lives? Ian, what's stress? How is it different from anxiety? Excellent topic for today, Mm. stress versus distress. Yeah, right. So anxiety is distressed, depression is distressed. Oh, I've never even realised that. Yeah. Mm. So there's the dis bit, okay? And we spend a lot of our time trying to reduce distress. When people say I shouldn't be stressed, I go, hang on a second. You want to be alive? Well, that's it, isn't it? It makes Every you feel day. Like, it makes you feel important, a bit of stress. Oh, I've got all these things to do and da-da-da, look, tick, tick, tick. And if you get to the end of the day and you've done it, you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worth something. I've achieved. Yeah, so when people say, oh, stress bad, I go, hang on a second. Let's be alive. Let's be aroused. Mm. Let's respond. So the stress notion is there's a stressor. Something happens and you respond. Yep. And that normally involves being more aroused, putting up adrenaline, putting up cortisol, mounting a response physiologically and mounting a response behaviorally. <laughs> Got to go to work today. Got to interact today. Well, I've never thought about it like that, but you're dead right. Yeah. So you've got to lift your level of activity. In fact, your physiology does this every morning. Whether you know it or not, about 4 o'clock this morning, your cortisol came on, <laughs> you dragged yourself out of bed, your adrenaline came on. And why you did got you get up. out of bed? Because there was a little bit of stress meaning that you had to be somewhere at a particular time and do some things. If I don't get that kid to school, if I don't get to work, if you know, there's stuff to be done yep. and there's some challenges. Oh, later in the day, I've got to deal with some things that are going to be quite difficult. I'm getting cognitively wound up for it. I'm preparing for it. Mm. I'm doing things. This matters. So, yes, I'm building up my physiological response to cope physically with the day or psychologically cognitive with the day. That's the stress. That, that, that is the stress response, and that is quite normal. Yep. Good thing about that is when the day is over, when things pass, it should go down again. <laughs> mm. And there's an up and down in that. Because there's an energy kind of contribution to this thing, it takes physio- physiological energy to do it, and it takes brain and other purposes. Mm. It's not something you can be on all the time. Unless you've got a novel during two weeks, <laughs> just saying hypothetically. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. you <laughs> you got a deadline. He's yeah. got a deadline. i got a deadline. Great book's coming out later this year. <laughs> yeah. His novel, my book. You know, we've got stuff to finish. Yep. i got an aeroplane to jump on in 10 days' time to give a talk in the United States, deal with a lot of people, a lot of stuff I've got to get done in the meantime. We have deadlines. We have pressures. Kids who are doing exams this year, all your mm. year 12 kids, you know, they're building up to something. There are the cumulative effects over time 
And so you this know is you're thing. under some stress. You know you're under some continuing. Oh, wake up tomorrow, it's still there. Your book deadline's still coming. Yeah. My talk overseas is still coming. The kids are doing year 12, it's still coming. There's a longer period. Okay, so so look, I'm I'm anxious about interest rates going up, right? And then they don't go up and my anxiety subsides. And it feels like that's over. But you said cumulative stress. So it's like if you have lots of these days again, kind of the second day is building on the first day. It's not a fresh start stress-wise. And eventually if the if the if the mountain gets too high, something bad happens. Is that Yes, that's where we're going. So when people talk about acute stress or something happened today, from a health point of view, and I mean in terms of physical health and mental health, what happened today doesn't matter too much. But what happens today on top of tomorrow? Yeah. So chronic financial stress. Mm. If you're really under the pump with raising interest rates and they're going up every month, the best you can tell, they're going to keep going up. And you've already had to find $500 more this month. And then your bank thinks you can find another $500 yeah. or you can get another job or you can somehow change jobs and earn more money, which is not realistic. You're under huge pressure. And then you start to worry, of course, you're going to lose your house. And what will I do? How will I cope? What do I have to cut back on? You've got a constant process then of, yes, building it up. Damn wall. You know, water's rising against the damn wall. At what point does it overflow? At what point, if you like, does the strength of the response start to crack? Mm. Is it bad? Does it become bad for your health? So the things that are really bad for your health physically and then mentally are chronic stresses, financial stress being one, unemployment being another, taking care of an ill relative, having an unpredictable illness. These are all the kind of things that are oh, living in a bad relationship. <laughs> Never forget that one. Living in a bad relationship every day that builds up and yeah. is unrelieved and you can't see the end. At least with the HSC thing come the end of November, whatever it is, you can perhaps see the end of it. I'm out of here, school's out forever. Perhaps for your book deadline, you know, yeah. you get to the point. So it's difficult in the two weeks beforehand. But once it's in, submitted, whoo, yeah. out of here. Till the edits come. Those ones where you can't see the end. Financial stress, relationship stress, caring, other areas, unemployment where you can't see yourself getting a job, chronic physical illness where you're disabled in, mm. in ways that you can no longer participate. So you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're much, much more difficult. They're cumulative, but they also seem unending. The, the, that, what you describe as the accumulation, only ever something signs in the sky here, only ever seem to go up. They're very hard to cope with. And they're the ones that are much, much more associated with physical ill health and its consequences on yeah. your immune system, on your other physiological systems, and on your mental health. Mm. So when people talk about stress all the time, and they say, oh, this happened or that happened, okay, no, hang on, hang on. Tell me about the ongoing ones, the really difficult ones you feel trapped in, where every morning you wake up, it's still there. Every night you go to sleep, you're still thinking about it. So I know what anxiety feels like, and I think most people know what anxiety feels like. Most people know what depression feels like, even if they haven't been depressed, because it's that sad, you know, heavy, bad feeling kind of that you, everyone's experienced now and again, but lots and lots of it. But what does chronic stress feel like? More like anxiety with a bit of depression thrown in or something different? More like chronic anxiety. More, yeah. And then, and then we discussed a lot of the time the tension bit. Mm. Tense. Your muscles. Tense. Muscle tense. On edge. Not sleeping well. You know, disturbed during sleep. So what you're really good about with anxiety is you express it. You put it into words and say, this is the way I'm feeling about it. Oh, and right. I can tell 
what's going on. A lot of people don't make that link. I yes. I'm not stressed. I'm not. Jeez, <laughs> you're a bit irritable. You're tired. It, it, it also, stress is exhausting. Tired. Well, you you are talking to the person who once said, after a kind inquiry from his wife, person. whether he was stressed. I'm not fucking stressed. <laughs> So I think almost a diagnostic test is someone close to you says, oh, sweetheart, yeah. you're a bit tense, uh, not sleeping well. You seem a bit on edge, a bit short-tempered. Yeah. You don't Maybe seem, to, it on board. You don't like seem to have the joie de vivre that you had before. You don't seem to have the normal enjoyment. You don't seem so keen. You seem restricted. You seem focused on stuff. I am not. So I'm that is interesting. Fine. It is common for other people to recognise it before we recognise it ourselves. Yeah. Because of the cumulative nature, probably, that it just starts to seem normal. Isn't this how things always are? I can't remember when they weren't like this. Aren't everyone's jobs bad? Mm. Isn't everyone under financial stress? Isn't everyone's personal relationship difficult? Aren't all kids trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Is there no way out of here? Isn't Isn't this life? Isn't this the adaptation to middle age? Yeah. Or isn't this what happens to all people as they age? They just deteriorate. Mm. So we have, I think, all sorts of mental gymnastics that sit around and explain where I think in the modern world we ask the question, would you like to do something about that? <laughs> could you yeah. Could you change? Is it just inevitable that you're just locked in or could you do something more adaptive? Mm. Could, could we possibly look at how we restructure our daily life or the challenges that we face to break this up a bit? Which is really, from a physiological point of view, to take it down a bit, not just to let it build up. Mm. Turn off the release, turn the release valve on, take it down, enjoy life, sleep better, and physiologically allow those cortisol and adrenaline things to go back to their normal daily ups and downs and yeah. not remain on 24-7. And we're not very good at that. People say, ah, oh, it's a fast life, it's a stressful life, I've got to succeed, I've got to do all these 20 other things. I've got so many responsibilities. I don't have time for anything else, (laughs) Mm. even if I'm physiologically killing myself. How much of it is the external things and how much of it is our reaction to them? So it may be that at different times in your life, you can have similar circumstances, whether it be a bad relationship or financial stress or work stress or some other stress. And, you know, in 2016, you deal with it really well and, you know, you you sort out your problems and da-da-da. And in 2020, it just knocks you absolutely flat and your mental health and physical health deteriorates. Is, so, yeah, how much of it is external and how much of it is how we react to the external? So there are two really interesting sets of studies. One is looking at all of us over the course of life. Hmm. And, and sort of trying to track adults in particular, which are the most stressful periods of their life. So what do you reckon wins? Come on, James, try the survey. Uh, what would you say have been the most stressful periods of life that you probably share in common with everybody else? Uh, maybe young kids and mortgage, so in your 30s. Maybe, uh, I would say, personally, maybe mid-teens, trying to work out who the hell you were and where you fitted in. Oh, yeah. excellent answers. You're I really, go for those two. You're really good. The, the small children young family one, Mm. is most commonly reported as the most stressful period for everybody. Yeah. You know, surviving, surviving is a terrible word to say, isn't it? (laughs) You've just engaged this marvellous thing that we all want, families, children, Mm. relationships, and suddenly 10 years of your life is the most stressful. Yeah. 
bringing up small children, continuing to careers, financially survivable, trying to have a life. <laughs> that, so most people report that's the most stressful period. And then quite correctly, going backwards, a lot of people would say actually early career development bits, like in their 20s, et cetera, and then back in their teenage years. So quite contrary to the idea that aging is stressful, <laughs> it's the other way around. Yeah. Blacks like us. The older you get, the life's less never you been have better. To lose. Yeah, like life's never been better. Yeah, and not only that, you get despite the aging stigma, mm. as you get older, probably get better still. Largely, bits will fall off, some bits won't work, but other than that, in a stressful sense, you're probably happier than ever. Yeah. So that's what was true of all of us. Now you said the second question. What about me though? At different stages, is it me that's changing? So there's me going through these different developmental parts of life, if you like, or different life stages. But people's capacity to, to cope, yeah, does vary. So you can have coped in the past with financial stress, with illness stress, with relationship stress, and then suddenly find yourself at another period in life where you don't cope mm. so well. And that becomes interesting as to what has changed. Is there something that's changed about you? Is there something going on physiologically? And we have different periods of life. We have different periods we go through physiologically associated with ageing. So I say with menopause, as I say with other changes that sometimes are important. And this is where the question then about anxiety, depression, has something else really changed? Is it not? Because you've been stressed before. Yep. And you cope before. Mm. And if suddenly you're not coping, then I tend to start scratching my head going, you know, you'd coped a lot before. So what's what's changed? Because you do run into people who say, oh, I'm just stressed again. Yeah, Really? Don't you remember when you had all those small kids, you know, job, everything? No, you go perfectly fine. Mm. So I think this this thresholding over from being stressed into something that we would call a problem, anxiety, depression, you've got to be careful about that. Because people go, oh, well, I'm just stressed. They go, well, you were stressed before, you know. Right. So so you're almost saying that stress is a gateway to. So stress, well, this is what I'm confused about. Is stress a mental illness if if it's bad enough, or is it a gateway? To anxiety and depression, which are mental illnesses, yeah. or is it something else? So chronic stress. Mm. Chronic stress is a gateway, yeah. Lots of people who are chronically stressed will tip over if they're otherwise vulnerable for whatever reason at some point. But chronic stress itself isn't defined as no. a mental illness. No. Yeah. No. But on the other hand, that doesn't but mean you should But it's not good for you physiologically, yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean that's exactly right. It doesn't mean that physiologically it's good for you. Or, or mentally. Or mentally. Mm. In fact, that what you said that your wife was kind enough to say. <laughs> so before we get on de- onto dealing with stress, the- so I think it's an important point. I don't want to lose this. Myself and my colleagues in the professions, we're not sitting around saying every chronically stressed person has it's a me- mental health problem mm. or condition. But we are saying it's a bit like being physically unfit, or it's a bit like knowing you're dragging a risk factor around with you. Yeah. That if it were to persist, your chances of developing something I'd be interested in are much increased. And there's no real line. Again, it's a spectrum. You know, it's not like, oh, on Thursday I had chronic stress, but then on Friday it tipped over into anxiety and depression, mental illnesses. It's a it's a slide. It's a slide. Okay. So you're in a situation where there are a lot of stressors, job, young family, interest rates have gone up, your mother's old and you're trying to work out where she's going to Caring live. Caring for an elderly relative, one yeah. of the big ones of the day, you bet. How do you take care of yourself and make and lower the risk of it tipping over into mental illness? 
are you taking care of yourself? Are you, Here's the question you've got to ask. Well, I don't have are time, you, Ian. I've got all these things. Are I, you keeping physically fit? I, I bet that would be an answer. I don't have time to do all that stuff. It is the most common answer. Yeah. Just like when people say to me, have you got time to be physically fit? I don't have time for that. I'm very busy. Hmm. You make time for yoga. You do things. You tell us. I believe you. Yeah. You make time in order to improve your health. So in the world of better mental health and well-being, yes, we need to make time for it. And importantly, have strategies that work for you to reduce your stress. Now, we've discussed this. I like playing tennis. You like doing yoga. Yes. I don't really like to do the things that some people in my life, dear Elizabeth, make me do, but I do do them. <laughs> Walk, step, be mm. active. Outside, I also need to disengage from work. Phone down, do other things, pursue like things that are not. Yeah, well, it's true. I'm just quite good at that, actually. In the evening, you're just staring blankly into the middle distance for three hours. <laughs> I am more distractible than you might think. Hmm. No, I'm easily engaged. For example, I like social engagements. Yep. If I can have dinner with friends and spend time with people as distinct from working at my computer or whatever it is, that's my children's shake. What is it you do is work that exactly? Hmm. Mine, mine's <laughs> that, whatever that thing is you're doing the computer, is that work? <laughs> whatever. Hmm. Well, trust me, that's work. Yeah. Social engagement, I find particularly... Whereas not everyone does. No, some people hate it. Some people need a rest, a rest. Of... Some people want to go to the gym. Mm. Some people want to paint. Some, some people... people... I'm very envious of those who can play musical instruments. Oh. What about watching TV? I like, is don't... that bad? No, not necessarily. If you're stressed? No. If it's... <laughs> I, fell, I fell asleep on the weekend in front of a Netflix series. I know mm -hmm. people find them engaging. Mm. I find them sophorific. Mm. It was great. It was whatever it was. I can't remember what it was, but, you know. So what's the test? What are you looking for if you're stressed and you want to find the things that will help it? Is it just something that makes you feel a little bit peaceful, whatever it is? Takes you away from. Yes, takes you away from. And the tension, the tension in your voice, the irritability. Mm. Consequence, you sleep better. When you sleep better, you wake up less stressed, literally, physiologically. The hormonal bits, the other bits that have been active have turned off. Hang out with people who make you laugh. It's very hard to be – it's very hard to laugh and be stressed at the same time, right? Yeah. You might know that. I mean, you might love, you know, Lenny Bruce or something. Put on something funny or, you know, some Very other. old reference, but sure. <laughs> I like some modern comedian. I'm going to stand-up comedy. You've done it. Who's <laughs> the legend of stand-up comedy? Well, I got, <gasps> I got into trouble recently by saying some of the recent stand-up comics I don't find very funny, but someone well, accused me of right. being old. There it's we very, go. It's an individual thing. But, I mean, that's, you know, watch YouTube of some comedian you find hilarious and I bet it'll have a positive effect on you. Sport. Lots of people go to sport. Go to a sports stadium. Get up and say, great example. A friend of mine barracked for Arsenal, the English football team. Oh, yeah. I said, what do you do for relaxation? He goes, I get out on the terraces. And I scream. scream and yell. He said, you wouldn't recognize me. Love it. Really? Joined in with the crowd. No, but if you scream and yell, like soccer, someone did a, a, a study saying soccer, one of the reasons why there's so much spectator or used to be violence with soccer is because it's the most frustrating sport to watch because they only score like one or two goals a game. I like rugby league where there's heaps. Basketball every 10 seconds. I, no, I, but is screaming in frustration really going to be good at, for your stress? Now, look, worldwide, many of those great club sporting fans, I'll tell you, barely watching the game at all. They go along for the sing-along. They mm. go along for the join-in with the crowd. It's not about violence and terrible other things against the other teams. It's about being part of a group and, yep. you know, blowing off some steam, yep. you know, but in a funny way, in a productive way. 
If you ever find yourself a Cardiff Arms Park in Wales, join in with the Welsh. They sing. The Welsh sing mm. in unison in the crowd. Knowing that, in tune. Could you imagine it? It's hard to imagine in Australia. So you're looking for something that, that switches you off. Takes you out of takes, yourself. Takes you out of yourself. Part of something bigger. Join a choir. But also you got no, to take find the it. one that works for you. Yeah, exactly. But also, ideally, there's a f- if you're physically more healthy, uh, is stress going to affect you less? Which, which are you saying? Which I'm saying, if you're chronically stressed, it's really bad for your physical health and your mental health. No, but I mean, if you're not much of an exerciser and you mm. do more, is that going to help? Yes. I hate yes. to say that, yes. <laughs> and obviously, drinking and diet. Yeah. 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 So you, you start I to mean, attend. alcohol is a great, uh, very common stress reliever, people think, but double-edged sword? Yeah. Mm. It's, alcohol is so fascinating. In the, in the social context. Gets things the, going. Yeah, so people often relax to some degree, and clearly it's part of our, a lot of our social things. So all the work I'm in, first rule is never drink alone. Right. If you find yourself at home <laughs> stressed and you've headed straight to the gin cabinet. And, yeah, not good. No. And, and a lot of people report, you've seen a lot of young women, a lot of young mothers report the extent to which they drink between five and seven. Mm. With the, the witching hours, kids are home, home from work, trying to get dinner on the table. And why is that bad? The alcohol-related problems. It doesn't relieve the stress, and then you end up with an alcohol-related problem. But not necessarily if you have two or three glasses of wine. Not or is that a problem? What's the problem? So the socialisation, but just going back one step, I was going particularly for the drinking on, mm. on your own. So people are using substances, many of which themselves have their own physical effects. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not dishing all alcohol here. I'm, mm. not, I'm not, as people who know me well, I'm not from the absolutionist or abolitionist yeah. group. Alcohol and other substances and socialisation fit in. So social engagement. And this is the complexity, of course is you do need the stress to go down every night. You do need to find a way to relax. And alcohol is an easy entry into that. So the easiest accessible thing for many people in my generation, cannabis, alcohol, mm. people do all sorts of things, but they may have other, and certainly to excess, they may have other health-related consequences. Mm. So trade-off here. The things that you mentioned earlier on, so a lot of people need to go. I mean, I don't like them, but a lot of people apparently go to the gym and relax. Mm. In the, you know, they just take time out. They do something physical. As I say, if you if you were ever able to play a musical instrument, I'm so envious of those who can play a musical instrument, get lost in that. Another activity that takes you out of that world, takes you away and allows all those stress hormones, all those stress responses to go down, the tension to go down. So then you can go and talk with your family and be nice. And, but importantly, you can sleep well, and the next what, day start again. Yeah, because alcohol... Uh, if, if you go to bed affected by alcohol, you're much more likely to sleep badly. You're much more likely to wake up in the night. So you're much more likely the next day to feel tired and that's going to make your stress worse, not better, right? Correct. Sleep's a big part. Correct. So alcohol is a sedative. It does not induce normal sleep. Trouble is it puts people asleep unconscious and they wake up three hours later when their blood alcohol goes down. Yeah. They wake up. So it's very interrupting. To normal sleep. So alcohol is very problematic. If you want to know more about that, listen Go to, to the episode. <laughs> episode on insomnia on insomnia, or there's a chapter in our book, Mining Your Mind, about insomnia. So okay, so not alcohol. So we've talked about what you can change to deal with stress better, but also you might want to cha- look at changing your circumstances, the things that are making you stressed. Not necessarily, if, you know, some of them are from 
uh, your family and your young kids. I'm not saying just do a runner, but if it's if it's work, if you're in a, a stressful relationship that isn't working, financial stress is a tricky one. But again, that can be sometimes dealt with by downsizing, moving, etc. Yes. Sometimes people have to change their circumstances. Mm. Rather than saying, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> Hang on a second. Have you got financial advice? Have you got that credit card thing under control? Have you made adjustments? Caring responsibilities. I'm the only one who can take care of my aging mother. Really? Are there other people who can actually contribute? You don't have to be the sole provider of this particular service. Childcare. Can I share it with others? Can we actually? And you see families doing this increasingly, sharing the caring responsibilities, taking time out, taking time away trying to make the adult relationship, the intimate relationship still work despite the fact you've got small kids yep. in the workplace. Are there things you can do in the work environment? And is sticking in the same job really a good idea? Yeah. You, James, have really changed careers. This is very unusual. Mm. Not many people make that adjustment. It's not that unusual Sad. these days. Well, it, well, over the course of life these days, it's more common. But if you're stuck in something that really doesn't suit you. Yeah. Change. Really? Change. If I hear one more lawyer... Tell me how they hate being a lawyer. <laughs> but they're stuck on the financial gravy train, but how stressed they are. Oh, really? You know, life, I think you only get one go. And and also changing career, I've changed career a few times, and I've never just tossed one career in and said I'll have a punt at another one. I've, I've, I've managed it. Managed it. Kind of done it gradually, hedged my bets, ensured that, um, there's not a great leap into the unknown, put my toe in the water of the career I want and thought, is this viable? Have there any opportunities? You're a only, rational man. <laughs> only when there are opportunities have I, you know, bailed from the other one. Yeah. So you can't, well, my point is, if you have this desire, I'm a, I'm a um, lawyer and I want to play the bassoon in the orchestra, well, don't just quit law and, I mean, firstly, buy a bassoon and get some lessons and then <laughs> you any good at it. see how you go. <laughs> I'd love to be a clarinet player in an orchestra, but frankly, yeah. <laughs> it's not a viable option for me at the moment. I know a guy who did the opposite. He was an oboe player in an orchestra and he became a doctor. So, For example. Yeah, he studied part-time and took him many, many years and he got there. So I do often encounter people, particularly in their 40s and 50s, oh, no, I can't ever X. I go, really? I had a marvellous story just recently of someone who might be approaching the age of 70. Mm who's just become a medical student in Melbourne. Wow. That is a financial. Wow. <laughs> what a punt. Yeah. Not much to say to the credit of that particular medical school. They're giving a go at it. Is he going to be able to practice at 75? Maybe. Uh, who knows? Hmm. I mean, just a lot of our expectations and a, and a kind of way that we have of getting very stuck. Yeah. I really admire some people I know in the university sector who've quit at 55 or 60 very good at what they've done, but they're going to do something different. They're not going to spend the next 25 years doing what they've done mm. for the previous 20. They really want to do something different. Some have gone off into arts careers. Some have gone off into the non-government sector. So they're contributing their skills differently. They want to engage with the world in a different way. Mm. They want to live their life to a different set of contingencies. And interestingly, I think more in this day-to-day -day authentic way that stop whinging about it, <laughs> do different. Yeah. Now, that's not all. Obviously, not everyone is in the same financial situation or, or necessarily has those degree of options, but a lot of people do and just get locked in and, and in an all or nothing kind of way. I mean, what you said about managing change, I thought was really important. It's not a matter of just giving up on everything, you know, throwing it all in and going bush. 
but you know we can adapt our circumstances too. Yeah, yeah. and and a, a lot of this um, our episode on burnout and chapter on burnout is relevant too. Financial stress is probably one of the most prevalent, and I say this in June two thousand and twenty-three, where Australia's just had lots and lots of interest rate rises that have put pressure on mortgages as well as uh, inflation. I wonder how much people explore that idea of the dream house in the Sydney or Melbourne or other city suburb just being something that is going to be creating financial stress for them for a long time, given their their work circumstances, and look at the idea of just changing it to something cheaper, somewhere further out from the city, even sea changing, tree changing. So here I think we run into social expectations, mm. great Australian dream home, home yes. in the suburbs, you know, we're tied into that. Always, I love travelling the world where most people don't own, they rent. They live in great places, they move. You know, we've got a whole lot of sociocultural kind of things in Australia very tied into that. Yep. Often, it, and maybe increasingly it will be necessary to go, now hang on, what's a better way of arranging all of this? And not only that, the point you all were really driving home with, what can I live best with? Yes. What for me and my family. Mm. Like I think with many young families, I've seen them in various coastal parts of Australia and everything else, living a completely different life on the beach, <laughs> different ways. Now, a lot of those places have become more expensive. So what are the trade-offs? Also, at different stages of life, might you do various bits? Like that young kid thing, when it's very difficult, is there a way and a place that's different? So I think needing to think these things through, mm. needing to consider the options, what are the maybe better ways that would suit us you know, family group or social groups, where are other opportunities? And also opportunities. You know, personally, I have lived in different parts of the world with kids at different times. You know, you know, what's the upside of that? What's the, you know? Yeah. There's the excitement and there's the challenge of doing different. So I think when people get stuck, they just get stuck. Oh, I'm never going to get a home. I'm never going to afford this and I'm going to do that. And you go, hang on a second. Can we look at the expectations here? What are the options? Mm. What, what might suit you? and your family or others better. So they're in control of the situation. You're making choices that don't result in you just being chronically stressed. Yeah. Okay, so you've got to work out how stressed you are. and Monitor that. That's mm. a, we talk about monitoring a lot. Mm. So how stressed am I? I think something myself that I've got better at over the years is I know that I'm going to have 50 things on my plate this week Next week, the week after. And when everyone wants you to say this week's the most important week of the whole year and you've got to solve everything now and everything needs to be done this week or everything needs to be done this weekend, I think I've become more, really? <laughs> what else am I going to do? I am going to go, I'm very lucky, as you know, go walk in the bush up in the central coast. Yep. I'm going to take holiday Monday yesterday. I'm going to go take a side. I'm not going to do everything. Because unless you've got some regularity to reducing the stress that you're under, the things that are out there and moderating that on a daily basis, you lose the plot. Yeah. You know, if I continue in the same kind of job I'm in, I'm going to have pressures this year, I'm going to have pressures next year, I'm going to have pressures the year after that. Everything is not a crisis to be solved today. And when there's a stressful period, what things go first, our leisure, the things we really enjoy, the things that replenish us, don't have time for tennis, don't have time to meet friends, don't have time for a walk in the bush. You're an advocate, aren't you, of doing, particularly when things are getting tough, doing something every day every that day. you enjoy. Habits. And, and putting it in your diary as an appointment. That is my time to do something where I take care of myself. You know, the really smart politicians, the really long-term survivors, mm. you know, 
I'm told, it never can happen to me, but I'm told that when you get promoted to those really high positions, yeah. the first thing that comes is that people go, right, you're going to have to make some time in the diary. Yeah. John Button and colleagues are back in the uh, Hawke government days, Brilliant. played tennis every day, mm. half an hour. Mm. Some people go swim every day. You do see some of those politicians who jog every day. Tony Abbott, chronic exerciser. Well, they at least take time out mm. to do something physically separate and not just sit there 24-7 on constantly on the phone, constantly responding, constantly doing stuff and making ratcheting up because otherwise they will not survive in the job. Yeah. So look out. If you're irritable, impatient, wound up, overwhelmed. Not sleeping. Not sleeping, anxious, thoughts are racing. Not really just when was the last time I enjoyed myself, Uh, uninterested in life, feel like you've lost your sense of humor. They could be signs. Burning out. The stress is is ratcheting up and you should take care of yourself a bit more. Questions, comments, like to suggest further topics for us to discuss, send us an email at mindingyourmind2, that's mindingyourmind, numeral2 at gmail.com. Our podcast is supported by the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health and further help is available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Google them or you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14.